Welcome to the Standard of Truth podcast. In this podcast, Dr. Garrett Dirkmont and Professor Richard LaDuke explore the early history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the life and teachings of Prophet Joseph Smith. They examine the original historical sources and provide context for events of the past. They approach the history of the Church with faith, expertise, and humor. Welcome to a Standard of Truth bonus episode. Uh, we do bonus episodes every President's Day, Christmas, or whenever we're guilted into it by listeners. Like Brandon. Like Brandon. Uh, this is a perfect combination of all of those things. So if you hear me talking, you know it's not going to be a good one. We're going to actually, one of the things we, we got uh, a couple of weeks ago was an episode, we did an episode on a card from a game blast from the past uh which we're receiving no remuneration for whatsoever <laughs> yeah really no remuneration for anything but F- fun for latter-day saint families uh we think that's a pretty loose definition of the word fun so we we went through uh, i know my kids are like can we just like talk about some history stuff church history specifically so um our wives went through and they picked a couple of different cards that they want for Garrett to be able to, to answer questions to. We, we tried to, to get Becky confirm. and Angie on the mics and we were told no, but uh, they are still in the room for our bonus episode. Yep. They'll be asleep shortly. So yeah. we're going to go through and uh, I'm going to read the card. And Please then- remember this is a bonus episode. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. listen to it. Yeah. That means, so first of all, this the Standard Truth Podcast is free. Please... <laughs> Please, everyone who's sending your hate mails and Venn diagrams of how much time and money we're wasting of yours, please... Please realize it's free. Yeah. Second of all, the bonus episodes are are exceptionally free. <laughs> if there's a way, they're the freest. They're the free. Yeah. Like you know, America is the land of the free, home of the brave. The bonus episodes are land of the hollow content. But maybe you'll find some of this interesting. All right. So we're gonna go ahead and uh, we'll do a, a couple of these cards here. So. Um, on the 25th of October, 1830. So I'm going to read the card, and then Garrett, you you either go into additional detail, say, no, that's wrong. How about or, I say pass? Or you can say pass. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, October 25th, 1838, David W. Patton was killed at the Battle of Crooked River in Missouri. He was the first apostle martyred in the latter days. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, <clears throat> well... Enemies of the church would take martyred as a little, it's probably a little, it's, it's probably a little much. He yeah. was killed. Yes. Um, so um, now part of the reason that we bring this specific question up is because uh, in terms of the, the Missouri, um, well, a lot of the things that are going on in Missouri, we've promised that we would talk about them. We haven't talked about them. Yeah. And so this kind of gives an in opportunity. In our next episode uh, of our actual podcast that you'll actually listen to for three minutes before <laughs> before trying to find Joe Rogan's, um, it, it, we will going to list off. Uh, we had a listener very kindly and aggressively uh, collect all of the things that we said we were going to talk about but haven't yet talked about. Um, and, and so we'll share that list, but everything Missouri is essentially on that list in part because we're still not sure how to do it. The problem with talking about Missouri 
is that it was terrible. We actually got some feedback uh, back on our most recent episode that, you know, that uh, maybe the uh, the baptismal drowning was a little too morbid for some people. Well, I mean, it's going to get a lot worse. And that's the problem. I mean, Missouri is awful, you know. And uh, so... And, and even... So, and specifically... Um, Hiram Smith in an attempt to try to go back to get some of the land, um, has an affidavit where he uses the language that's used it against is, Latter-day Saints it is, and it's, it is, it's fairly explicit. Well, it's not even fairly explicit. <laughs> it's very it's, explicit. It's, it, it would easily, you know, uh, you know, have Singe to have a, the eyebrows. It would have to have a radio edit if we were, uh, if we were doing it. So we're not quite sure how to do it because we don't want to, we don't want to, give an inaccurate description of the things that happened because they did happen at the same time, you know, it's a family show. Well, I mean, maybe we'll put it on the premium content <laughs> and then you have to pay for it. You have to pay to hear. No, the, no, no. Well, maybe. Hiram. Um, so, uh, but David W. Patton is, uh, not only the head of the quorum of the 12 apostles, he's also the leader of the, the Caldwell County militia. So what happens is there is a group of militiamen who are raiding and attacking settlements in the southern portion of Caldwell County. They kidnap two Latter-day Saints and hold them hostage. They're burning farms. They're looting things. So this is in the midst of the Mormon War. And the Latter-day Saints in in Caldwell County, which is where Far West is, that's the the Latter-day Saint County of Missouri. I mean, not today. Today... Well, today no one lives in Caldwell County. Today it's today's just a giant field and a few closed Seven Elevens. But um, uh, so the Caldwell County militia gets called out to fight this mob, and what they don't know is it's not actually a mob; that it's actually state militia forces, but they're just acting like a mob. And uh, so that's what happens at the Battle of Crooked River. the The Caldwell County militia catches up. Um, uh, to them and they attack it. It's actually, I mean, it, it was a, it was a poorly executed attack. They, the, the Latter-day Saints attack with the sun behind them. Uh, so they're kind of, it, it's setting. And so they're kind of silhouetted in the, you know, it's like perfect, easy to see them as they're coming. Like the only thing you can see is the person coming at you because the sun and, um, uh, across a river, right? Uh, and and that's why it's called the Battle of Crooked River. But they surprise uh this this group and and they they drive them from the field. And there's a couple people that that eventually die on both sides. Um so David Patton is 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 shot and killed right away. Um the other is uh, Gideon Carter, who's a faithful Latter-day Saint who's who's killed in on the Latter-day Saint side. So yeah, uh, David W. Patton's death, I mean, you could call it a martyrdom, I guess, in the sense that uh, he is trying to defend the church, but he's literally leading the head of the, he's the head of the Caldwell County militia that thinks they're going to go fight a bunch of mobocrats, but they're actually fighting the, the wayward Missouri state militia, and that will be part of the reason why Governor Boggs orders his extermination order oh, because yeah. of the Battle of Crooked River. 
There you go. You know what? Blast from the past. I apologize. That was fun. Yeah, that was yeah. good. If if you'd like to play this game with your families, <laughs> all right. Colonel Johnston's army. So this is uh, June twenty sixth, eighteen fifty eight. Fifty seven is when they get ordered out. Okay. Uh, Colonel Johnston's army entered an almost deserted Salt Lake City. Oh. Only a few men remained, most mostly members of the Mormon battalion, ready to burn the city if the army attempted to take it over. Yeah, that's that's not accurate. Um, so most of that's accurate, but it's not the Mormon battalion. The Mormon battalion doesn't exist anymore. The Mormon battalion's a, a U.S. designation. So maybe uh, they're saying that these men were part of the Mormon battalion? I think what they mean is the Nauvoo Legion, which is the Utah Territorial Militia, which has some members from the... Remember the Mormon battalions, it's it's in the mid-1840s, right? This is 12 50, years yeah. later. Yeah, so I mean, this is not... Uh, 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 they're not contemporaneous events. Um, the, the it would be like uh, you know having a discussion about you know uh, the first Gulf War and the second Gulf War in the same breath, right? There, it might you know run together in your mind as being contemporaneous events when you're looking back in history, but they're 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 pretty different. So there may have been uh, no doubt there were some people who were former members of the Mormon Battalion that were part of that. But I think what they mean to say is the Nauvoo Legion, which sounds weird, but the Utah Territorial Militia was called the Nauvoo Legion, <laughs> which kind of uh, gives you an idea. A little tip of the cap. But... Tip of the cap. We're on our way. But uh, um, so, uh, uh, so that's probably just inaccurately. At least at the very least, they should say we're former members of the Mormon Battalion doesn't exist after it's disbanded at the end of the war. Um, they're, you know, they're certainly people who are relatives of Mormon Battalion members. I, I know that it existed, but it, I think they mean the Utah Territorial Militia, which was the, the novel. Region. This does remind me of one of my favorite things to do with Garrett is to watch movies and have him uh, attack the historical accuracy of the particular movie. It is literally my favorite thing to do. It, it seems like it wouldn't be a very fun No, thing. it is. At first it annoyed me, and now it's my favorite thing. Our wives are behind us trading cards back and forth like it's a Pokemon or yeah. a Magic the Gathering going on. What's going on yeah, back there? Read this one. Read that. Yeah, so, so we have another one here. Um, let's see. Uh, Do any of you have a Charmander yet? <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, that's uh, funny. On this date, uh, July 3rd, 1835, the church purchased uh, Egyptian papyri from Michael Chandler for $2,400. A portion was translated into the Book of Abraham. Yes. yes. Okay. I mean, is that's that a question? That's or, that's, that's well, so, no, you know, so yeah. think uh, about, uh, about that is, uh, you know, those, the way that it is written in the introduction to the Pearl Great Price now, right, is that uh, Joseph possesses those and then afterwards translates the uh, the book of Abraham. The uh, uh, papyrus is something that we still have a small portion of, but most of those papyrus scrolls are destroyed and we don't have them now. Um, in fact, it was a way that the, they, they didn't just buy the scrolls, by the way, they bought the mummies. The mummies were the reason they were the big deal, not the scroll. I mean, today they would all be a big deal, but the mummies were the really big deal. And, you know, there was a kind of, uh, in the early America, there was a kind of renaissance of, of classical, both architecture and, uh, and literature. I mean, because 
you have the United States that's setting up this democracy. And so you have all these allusions to Greece and to Rome as a republic. And that even went as far as to things like obelisks and Egyptian uh, uh, art. So there's just a real fascination with, with the ancient world um, in, in early America. You'll notice if you go to Washington, D.C., how many things are built with either a classical type of Greek or a Roman type of look. Um, even uh, the Washington Monument, when they built the Washington Monument, what is it? It's a giant obelisk, which is uh, you know uh, something that is an Egyptian-style monument. So uh, the mummies uh, are, they become, uh, well, they really become the retirement of, uh, of Lucy Maxmith. Uh, after her husband passes away, she'll live in the mansion house, and the mummies will be upstairs there and she'll charge people like a quarter to go see them. And so that's how she would be able to like support herself was she would give people a, a tour of the mummies. That was her job. February 12th, 1870, the Utah uh, Territorial Legislature gave women the right to vote uh, first in the United States. Now, I, I thought that Wyoming was earlier than this. So Wyoming does give them the right to vote first. But the first woman who actually uses her franchise is in Utah Territory. So they gave women the right to vote and there's no women in Wyoming? Well, there's no people in Wyoming. I mean, frankly, Becky's family moved there and they're the only people living there now. Uh, I almost made a Wyoming joke the other night. Oh, uh, no, so your your Wyoming dig on uh, Brigham Young, it's one of my, it's one of my, other than you ruining every movie we've ever watched. That's one of my favorites. Look, we have some faithful listeners in Wyoming, and I don't want to make them mad. Look, I'm from Idaho. Throwing stones from a glass exactly, house. Exactly, yeah. Like, all you can hear is shattering all around me because I'm from Idaho. I mean, I feel I felt bad even making fun of, uh, you know, North, North Dakota. Dakota no, Jeff. no, that was, no, no. That, Jeff, yeah. I should be okay with well, that. Well, he, he made fun of it himself. That's true. All right, so, so Brigham Young, he's coming to. Well, to I, I always say, you know. <laughs> Be, so one of the false things we have, and look, it is, it's almost Trek season. Some of you have, some of you would ask to be miles and pause, Brian, Laura, you, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're out there being a, 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 a ma and a pa of a Trek. Uh, Brian and Laura are good friends. And, uh, they told us the, the week that people were trying to get a hold of them. And I'd like to say that Richard and I are good members of the church, but we spent most of that meal trying to tell them excuses for how they could get out of it. <laughs> but Brian has a testimony, so he he said yes, um, maybe because Laura made him. But uh, it, it is going to be Trek season, and we kind of romanticize, obviously, the pioneer stuff. I mean, how how could we not? It's such a big part of you know. We have yeah, of course we have a holiday called Pioneer yeah, Day in Utah. I mean, took a lot of bravery and yeah, courage, uh, yeah. and, and, and and all those things are true. But one of the things that I think kind of gets lost in the rah rah aspect is if you are you know a hardcore Utah homer, you know, and I don't mean a Ute fan, although Richard does teach for the Utes. I do. Yeah. 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 Go Utes. Yeah. Well, well, well right. that, and this concludes the <laughs> last ever episode of the Standard of Truth podcast. As Richard uttered the one phrase, you're not allowed to say, "We don't talk about this," and we don't talk we about don't polygamy. Talk, yeah, Those are the two things. Um, but uh, uh, the reality is that they were trying to find somewhere that no one else wanted to live. 
I mean, they they deliberately do that. In fact, Samuel Brannon, who is the he's most well known uh, to people by being the leader of the the saints who led the the ship Brooklyn that brought the over two hundred saints around, uh, you know, uh, the Cape Horn of, of South America uh, to uh, Yerba Buena in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, most people know Samuel Brannon because of that, because he's the leader of that group. What they don't know is that when Samuel Brannon gets to San Francisco area, again, there is no San Francisco. That The city doesn't exist. There's only 7,000 people living in the entirety of California, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, 7,000 whites. There's 100,000 Native Americans, but as I've said before, neither the Mexicans or the Americans are counting them. Um, when when uh, he gets there, he like you know, he writes to Brigham Young and he's like, uh, you should keep coming further West. There's like water here and it's not terrible climate. I mean, and frankly, anyone who's ever been in the San Francisco Bay area has been able to say, this is pretty nice. Right. But Brigham Young in a true prophetic fashion will say, you know, uh, if we go there, in no time, we will be flooded out by gen- other Gentile settlers. And that's before there's a gold rush. Brigham doesn't keep the saints moving, and, and, and of course, the gold rush happens. But what he means as far as our, our Wyoming joke is that, well, Brigham Young is deliberately looking for a terrible place. They don't want to go to Oregon because too many people are going to go to Oregon. They don't want to go to what is today California because they think too many people will go to California. They are deliberately looking for somewhere that no one else lives and that no one else will want to live. And they came to Utah. But before anyone in Utah gets really, really, really upset, even even though they were looking for the worst place possible to live, even Brigham Young kept going right on through Wyoming. (laughs) Because he said live. We've got to find a place we can live. And he probably got one one gust of wind outside of what is today, you know, Rollins, Wyoming. And he was like, nope, we're we're headed further west. Well, they got a rec center, uh, Rollins did, about 10, 12 years ago. They got a new rec center. So uh, I think things are on the up and up uh, or coming up for Rollins. Everything, everything's coming up Everything's Rollins. coming up Rollins. It's good. Well, so uh, I, I, uh, I kind of cut you off to tell that story. Was it was about... about the uh, suffrage movement for oh. women in Utah. Versus yeah, I tried Wyoming. to bury that because you know, you know, our, our obviously pro, uh, uh, you know, anti-suffrage stance or whatever. No, uh, but uh, so Wyoming passes the legislation for women to vote, but the first actual elections take place in you know municipal elections in in Salt Lake, where uh, the first woman is able to vote. Now, now it's not entirely true that no other women had ever voted in the United States in, especially in some of the early, early colonial municipalities. There were a couple of times that women actually were given the, you know, they did vote in very local elections, but certainly not on a territory wide. And that, that was very brief and it ended very quickly. Um, the codification of voting rights, um, in the United States meant that you had to be white and you had to own property. Eventually that property requirement's going to go away. Um, but you had to be a man. And, and again, owning property and being a man are almost essentially the same thing. Um, a woman can only own property if she is divorced and not divorced. If she, if her husband dies, basically that's how she owns property. Divorce doesn't really happen either. So anyway, um, uh, this 
is one of those great tragedies of American history that because we are so inherently anti-Mormon as a country, we don't even talk about. Because women begin voting in 1870, and they vote for 17 years in Utah. Now, I want you to think about the fact that women in the rest of the country don't get the right to vote until 1919. It is almost half a century that women in Utah are voting before women in the rest of the country are voting. Half a century. All the while, the rest of the country is trying to convince the women of Utah how oppressed they are because of polygamy, even though they're literally voting. I'm allowed to get a divorce. I'm allowed to own property. I'm allowed to vote. You're not allowed to do any of those things. But yes, what's horribly oppressive here in Utah. Well, um, it's the federal government in 1887 that will actually take women's suffrage away in Utah. Many people in the federal government thought that once the Mormons started voting, that, well, of course, Mormon women are going to vote against polygamy because they're, you know, their only reason they're, they're there is they're, you know, they're, they've been forced into it. They're being duped. They're being, you know, that as long as, you know, we've got an army there occupying it. As long as these are private ballots, Mormon women will vote for non-Mormon candidates and, and will flood them out of, out of Utah that way. And of course that doesn't happen. The reality is Latter-day Saint women are believers in their prophets and apostles, and, and they vote for Latter-day Saint leaders, including polygamists, at even higher margins. And so um, one of the ways that the federal government then decides to try to remedy this is because Latter-day Saint women were voting for the wrong people, they just took their right to vote away. So think about that. Mormon women in Utah, all women in Utah, you have to be Mormon, but women in Utah, in Utah Territory had the right to vote for 17 years before the federal government came and took their right to vote away. Now, they will get their right to vote back only when Utah becomes a state because part of Utah's state constitution is women having the right to vote. So they get to vote again in 1896, but they had already had the right to vote. Um, you, you can imagine the kind of um, convoluted argument it is that oh, you're so oppressed that you don't have any rights because of the religion you belong to that we're going to take away your right to vote because you're so oppressed. It's, a, it, it didn't, it's still not on very many billboards today. Yeah. All right. So uh, around this time, uh, the 1st of September, 1870, uh, Martin Harris is reunited with the church and was rebaptized. He also received his endowment, performed temple work for several of his ancestors. So Martin Harris comes into Utah. Yes, Martin Harris apostatizes. I think there's a play that they have up in uh, Cache County every year. That, do they uh, still do the the? Uh, I think the, that they the, do the, the the man who knew pageant. Yeah, up there? I think so. I, I don't know. You know what? You know, I'll get on the well, research got, team. I'll they've get gotten the rid of so many pageants. I don't know if they still do the 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 what is it, Clarkston? You know, I'll, yeah. Well, I'll get our uh, our our team of interns to. Uh, you to look know into that it. there's like 900 people who live there who are all right now emailing the show. If that many listen to this. Podcast, yes. So okay, so there's zero people right yeah, now yeah. emailing. The Brian show. Steed is like, no, I think they still do it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not listening. No, he's not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, Martin Harris uh, apostatizes uh, at the time of the Kirtland Safety Society. Well, so no, th there's a, I think there's a, a quote attributed to him where I didn't leave the church; the church left me. 
Yeah, I mean, he's going to say things like that, but he certainly leaves the church. Yeah, <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, he's. So I didn't leave the church. The church left me, and by that I mean I left the church. Yeah, I didn't leave the church. The church left me. I was excommunicated. Um, you know was what? He, what was he? What was know, he if I'm excommunicated, that's what I'm going to say. That's what I'm yeah. going to say. I didn't leave the church. Um, well, so we actually don't have very good records of that, but his he he certainly leaves. He certainly leaves the church, and then he actually joins uh, the Strangites for a while. Uh, which we haven't talked about yet because Brandon hasn't held our feet to the fire enough about. Well, we, we, we talked, yeah, talked about the doing succession. The, the succession crisis, right? Yeah. Well, um, so he he'll actually Martin Harris will actually be a missionary in England for one of these offshoot branches um, before he eventually returns back to the church. Always maintaining his testimony, in the Book of Mormon. You can tell he always still believes it. Um, but Martin Harris, along with all the three witnesses, are going to apostatize. In fact, they all apostatize at roughly the same time. Okay. Well, so that's good. So he comes back. But he does come back. Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, so I'm not finding evidence of that it's still going on. Uh, well, I, I mean, look, more. the church was kind of saying, hey, no more pageants, right? So, you know, maybe I think that they, they you know what? They, well, uh, well, well, more research to be done. Well, okay. Well, we need all of our listeners. To, to email yeah email let us know all right we've got one yeah. one time for one more and by time for one more i mean we have plenty of time but we're doing one more yeah we're done okay uh this one everyone oh. listening was done 25 minutes ago yeah they heard me introduce they're like nope they're like wait why did this drop on a monday and yeah. then they turned it off I, I i i uh grew up listening to a lot of uh radio i love a lot of different sports radio and political radio all, all the good stuff and whenever i would come on and i would hear a guest host would be like, nope. Yeah. Turn yeah, it off. You would it's immediately done. stop. All right. August 21st, 1842, Sidney Rigdon testified that the prophet Joseph raised his 16-year-old daughter, Eliza, from the dead. She died from typhoid fever but returned to life and bore her testimony of the gospel. That is one of the accounts that is uh, that's in the history of the church, that, that he says that that's what happens just during that time. Obviously, there's lots of healing events that happen in Nauvoo. Um, most of them we, we get from a little earlier, from, from 40 and 41, but this is a little bit later. Of course, it's also uh, the same year that Sidney Rigdon is going to come very close to apostatizing himself, um, as there is a huge controversy in, in Nauvoo about whether or not um, Joseph Smith has attempted to marry his other daughter. Um, this is something that John C. Bennett is going to claim and uh, something that uh, Rigdon will will clearly be upset about the allegations, but then he will he will publicly support Joseph in, in the newspaper. But Rigdon and Joseph will actually have a fairly rocky relationship in the Nauvoo period. I mean, it will at times be great and at other times be very, very Rigdon-y. <laughs> Um, so, uh, that, that concludes our bonus episode, by the way, uh, these were just questions that we just fired away at Garrett with, with no prep. You didn't even tell me what they didn't were. Didn't tell me what they were. It was so very fun. We, we're going to go back and edit these so that I sound <laughs> like I'm not an idiot. So you down. Yeah. yeah. Well, so one, one other actually thing really quick, if we, it, as it is president's day, could we just give a quick shout out to Millard Fillmore, one of your favorite U.S. presidents. Ah, uh, Millard Fillmore. Uh, you know, there's a reason why we had the uh, territorial capital uh, there, right? This, this idea. Um, 
Millard Fillmore is one of my favorite U.S. presidents because he's one of the only presidents that actually treats Latter-day Saints as if they're other American citizens. And he is the one who will appoint Brigham Young as the governor of Utah Territory. And then when uh, antagonistic people and, and federal officials will, will flee the territory in 1851, claiming all kinds of nefarious actions by the Mormons... Instead of just sending an army out like James Buchanan would six years later, uh, Millard Fillmore orders an investigation, and the end of that investigation is the the federal officials being ordered back to their posts or to forfeit their pay. Uh, so, I've got a soft spot for Millard Fillmore because he uh, he actually he's one of the few presidents during that time period that that treats Latter Day Saints justly. And, and and he's the reason why Brigham Young was the governor of, of Utah. Thank you for joining us on this President's Day uh, bonus. Extravaganza. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel potent, like we're potable potpourri. Yeah. Yes, the potent potable of potpourris <laughs> of, yeah. of the Stuttered <laughs> Podcast. We'll, uh, we'll see you again uh, on Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Standard of Truth Podcast. Hosted by historian Dr. Garrett Dirkmott. If you know anybody that could benefit from the material in this episode, please share it with them. And for more resources, visit standardoftruth.com. Until next time.